Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning to you. Happy Easter. Can we say thank you to the team for that? It just feels like Easter morning, doesn't it? Man, oh man. Woo. Tell you what, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Bible Center, and it's a privilege and an honor to be able to share with you on this Easter Sunday morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. So I love golf. Is there anyone else who loves golf? In the 845, I had like three people. So here it's like nine. So not very many. I understand totally. But there are some reasons I love golf. One, it's outside. Love being outside. Um, Just kind of wired that way. Really, really like being outside. So it's an outside sport. Um, Two, it's with friends. So if you're going to take a beating like you do at golf, you might as well do it with buddies, right? Um, And so it's with friends, so we get to hang out with friends. Three, there's a little bit of competition at least at the beginning, and then everything goes awry. But at the beginning, there's at least a little bit like the threat of competition, right? And so as someone who played sports my whole life and now struggles to play some of those sports... Golf is one of those things that I can continue to have a little bit of competition in. And then four, and this is maybe the best part, it's a sport where you can eat while playing the sport. So like, that doesn't happen very often, right? So, so golf is like, it's, it's the best, like it's the best of all worlds. So you get all of that stuff. So uh, for the last several years, I've had the honor of participating in a local country club's member guest tournament. And tournament is like next level competition. Um, but it's, it's just a fantastic time. And so I get invited by someone who is a member at this country club, and I get to go and be part of this tournament uh, that goes on for kind of over the weekend. There's some awesome things to being a member at one of these country clubs. One of the, my favorite privileges is that he gets to leave his golf clubs there overnight. And magically, when he shows up the next day, they're like on the cart, ready to go. He didn't have to put them in his trunk. He didn't have to drag them through the parking lot. Like they just show up and they're on the cart and they're ready to go. And so when I go as a guest, when he invites me to participate as a guest and I show up at this country club for this tournament, my clubs get to stay overnight which is great. I don't know what happens, but they stay overnight. And then the next morning I show up and my clubs are on the cart and they're ready to go. And my name is on the cart. Like, this is amazing what's going on here. There are some, some privileges that are passed from him to me as his guest, as a participant in that tournament. Now, this morning we're going to talk about what the resurrection of Jesus has done for us. And here is the big idea for the day. The big idea for the day. The resurrection gives you and me the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world. The resurrection gives you and me the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world. If you have a Bible or an app or whatever it is that you use to find scripture, I'd encourage you to grab that and go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. 
we're going to camp there for the majority of our message this morning. But Colossians chapter 1, and I would encourage you, as I do when every time that I speak, I would encourage you to interact with the Bible. So a lot of people read books and they just read books, but I'm one of those people that when I read something, I have a highlighter and a pen and I'm trying to mark things that kind of stick out to me and underlining things that stick out to me and drawing arrows and writing little notes. I would encourage you to do that with the Bible as well. If your uh, Bible is a paper Bible, then obviously a pen or a highlighter would do that. But if your Bible is an app, then most apps will have a place where you can highlight, even in different colors, and it'll, it'll store those notes for you. Um, and so I'd encourage you to interact with the Bible. Someone said this, when Paul speaks about Jesus, Paul is the author of Colossians, where we're going to be this morning, he does so in a way that reveals Christ's true identity and power in exalted and unusual language. This is because Jesus is not man-deified, or God humanized. Rather, he is indissolubly divine and human. Some people have said it like this, that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He's not 50% God and 50% man, or 75% God and 25% man. He's, he's all of both. He's all of both. And so what you're going to see in Colossians chapter 1 is a description of that. Yesterday I was hiking in the gorge, and hiking in the gorge in spring is one of my favorite things, and a lot of that is because all of the waterfalls are out. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of sitting underneath a waterfall. Have you ever done that before? You just kind of sit down and let the water just pound on top of your shoulders, and the pressure and the intensity is just overwhelming, and it's just awesome, it's so refreshing. That's Colossians 1. That's what Paul does here in Colossians 1 with Jesus. It's like we're sitting under a waterfall of Jesus and it's just meant to be refreshing and encouraging and help us see the magnitude of who we're talking about. And so let's dive in. Verse 15 is where we're gonna start. The first thing that Paul's gonna look at here is the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. So he's gonna establish who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's going to take a few verses here to walk us through who Jesus is. Okay, so verse 15. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So the first thing he does is he speaks about his person. He says he's the image of the invisible God. You can't see God the Father, but you can see Jesus. Jesus came to earth, walked among us. He's the visible representation of God. Okay, so his person, this is who Jesus is. Verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. If you look in that verse, you see a phrase that pops out to you, all things. Over and over through this passage, you're gonna see this phrase, all things, all things. If you do a Greek word study, which is the original language that scripture was written in, if you do a Greek word study into all things, you know what you're going to find it means? All things. It's amazing. Like, it's the best way to say it. It means all things. Our word all actually means all. All things. All things. So all things were created by Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, then Paul goes from all things into categories of all things. 
And so he says, things in heaven and on earth. And if that's not enough, things that are visible and invisible. And he keeps going and he's like covering it all just to make sure we understand when he says all things, he really means all things. All things. He's establishing who Jesus is. And so here he's speaking of his power. Verse 16, he's speaking of his power. All things have been created through him and for him. So he starts speaking of his person, then he moves to his power. Now 17, verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's our phrases before, but here he's speaking of his eternal presence. You've heard of the phrase, I am. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am, the ever-present one. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as, I am, the ever-present one. Time is something that was created for us by Jesus. So he is not subject to time. So he is present in what we would call the past. He's present in what we call the present. And he's present in what we would call the future. It's not like life is playing out like a movie in front of him. He literally exists in all of those moments at the same time. So not only is he everywhere present, he's all time present. Time is something he created, so he is not subject to it. So this is what Paul is going for here. He says he's eternally present. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So here he speaks of his position. His position. If he wasn't clear enough before now, he sums it up with the phrase in everything he might have supremacy. If you were sending an email and you're trying to get to the top of the chain, Jesus is the top of the chain. There's no one that's above him that you can get the email to to get something changed. He's it. He's the top floor. He's the supreme Lord. He's the one. He's that person. He's in charge in everything he might have the supremacy. So Paul takes these first few verses and he establishes who Jesus is. He wants to make sure that we understand who we are dealing with here. Who is this Jesus that came to earth and lived the sinless life and died the perfect sacrifice and rose from the the grave that we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday? That is who Jesus is. He is supreme. Supreme. That's what makes it astounding. So now what does Jesus do? Number two, salvation through Christ. Salvation through Christ. Let's look at verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul here is assuming that we have some understanding of what has taken place in the world. So if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the biblical narrative, you find the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, the very first verse of the very first chapter says, in the beginning, God created. God 
created. So foundational to being a Christian, foundational to being a follower of Christ, is a belief that God created. God created. So Paul's assuming that we have that. That we understand that. That we believe that. But then if you fast forward a couple chapters to Genesis chapter 3, you find that sin breaks. Sin breaks. So the relationship between God and people when we were created was perfect. It was perfect. Literally, we're told in Genesis that God would come and he would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Can you imagine sitting on your porch one night and God comes walking up and you pour him a glass of lemonade and you sit in your rocking chairs and you just hang out? That was the relationship. It was perfect. It was perfect. So what happened? There was one rule, one law. Don't eat off this tree. We ate off the tree like we do. And sin entered into the world. And the results of sin were broken relationships. There was a broken relationship between God and people now. So much so that we were cast out of the garden. There's a broken relationships between people and people. It's why we struggle with each other. It's why, why we have conflict in relationships. It's, it all goes back to sin. Because sin is broken relationships. And so it's why I have anger and you have anger. It's why I have bitterness and you have bitterness. And why I have pride and you have pride. And we wrestle with that and we live in conflict. Because those relationships are hard and they're broken. And there's literally a breaking of the relationship with the earth itself that has taken place because of sin. So brokenness entered into the world. So Paul, speaking here, is assuming that we understand that there's brokenness in the world. And so he sets it up and he says, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things. Meaning, because things are broken, they need to be put back together. So reconcile is just a fancy word that means to take something that's broken and put it back together. Make it whole again. Go to verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I got a couple friends that are gonna come help me here for a second to illustrate this. But this is what Jesus did on the cross. So Paul, speaking into the fact that sin has broken those relationships, now there's a need for someone to put those relationships back together so that people, again, can have a whole relationship with God. So that people can exist with God again, okay? So this is Jagger. Jagger is gonna play the role of Jagger today, okay? It's a tough one, got it? All right. This is Hampton. Hampton's actually gonna play the role of Jesus, okay? So a little harder, all right? No offense. Okay, all right. So for that relationship to be restored, something has to happen. Because in our state right now, 
where we stand right now, we do not possess holiness. We don't have that. And God does. And so for that relationship to be full, to be restored, something has to happen. So when we come to the throne room of God and God is guarding that and, and allowing people in and not allowing people in, if we just come by ourselves and what we bring, then we don't get access. So here's the beauty of the cross. Here's what Paul is saying right here. Once you were alienated, but now he has reconciled you through Jesus' sacrifice. Here's what happens. Jesus, when you accept Jesus into your life, Jesus comes over and he stands in front of you. And so when God is looking at you, he is now looking through Jesus. He's looking through Jesus. So all of the holiness of Christ is seen instead of all of our brokenness. And so through Jesus, the relationship is restored. Thanks, guys. Through Jesus, the relationship is restored. Look at your verse again, verse 21. If you have a pen or a highlighter, circle the word or highlight the word holy. The word holy. That's what you have to have in order to get to heaven. Now, a lot of us may say, I'm pretty good. You know, I do some nice things here and there, and I'm not mad all the time. And I let normally two cars out when they're trying to get into traffic instead of one. Like, that's extra. I do some good stuff in my life. But the question has to be, the question has to be, are you holy? Are you holy? Because without that, the relationship with God can't be restored. And so what Paul is saying here is that through Christ's death, you are presented holy. You are presented holy without blemish and free from accusation. That is your standing. The days you feel like that and the days you don't feel like that, that is your standing. The days you mess up and the days you don't mess up, that is your standing. Because it relies on Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Christ and trusted him for your salvation, we plead with you, make today that day. What better way to celebrate Easter Sunday than by embracing the Savior of the world and saying, God, I want that through Jesus. The beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't just save us and then abandon us. He transforms us. He walks with us as we go through life. The Bible tells us that he indwells us. So we get him. Not a one-time thing, but an ongoing thing. And we know in Revelation 21 that God will ultimately restore all things and he will make all things new one day. But until that day, he's working. He's working. And so what now? So I know who Jesus is and I know what Jesus has done. And so what now? What does it mean for me on Monday? 
What does it mean for me on Tuesday? What, how do I live my life differently because of what Jesus has done? Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Start at verse 17. It says this, Therefore, it's almost like Paul could pick up right here from Colossians chapter 1. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, people who have placed their faith in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, what? The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Not later, not sometime in the future, but now. The new creation has come, the old has gone. All this is from God, who did what? There's our word. Reconciled us to himself through Christ. And here's the what now. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what now? We participate in what God's doing in the world. What is he doing in the world? He's reconciling all things to himself. He's fixing things that were broken. He's putting together things that have been messed up. That's what he's actively doing it. So when Jesus came and he lived that life and he died that death and he rose from the grave, he put into motion this plan of making all things new, of putting all things back together. And now God is saying that you can be part of it. You can be part of it. It's so much bigger than anything else we would give our life to. This is eternal. It makes a difference forever. It is what God is doing in the world. Not some company, but what God is doing in the world. Notice here that Paul doesn't say believers should be ambassadors. He says we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. It's like playing for a basketball team and you put the uniform on, you step on the court and you play and some nights you have good nights and some nights you have really, really bad nights. Both nights you represent the team. You're wearing the colors. Once you become a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador for Christ. It's who you are. You represent him. The resurrection gives you the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world. Every time you see a person come to know Jesus, you are witnessing God's restoration take place. You are witnessing miracle. You are witnessing resurrection. You are witnessing new life birthed out of death. Every time you see that, you can know that God is making all things new. He's taking broken things and making them whole. Around Bible Center, there are, there are a lot of people. And there are a lot of people who are participating in what God's doing in the world. And God is working through them to bring new life and to make things whole. Think of Abby. 
Abby's part of our student ministry. And Abby has a heart for the gospel. She loves Jesus and she wants to see her friends come to know Jesus. And so she shared the gospel with her friend Larry. Larry got saved. Larry came to know Christ and Larry got baptized and Larry plugged into student ministry and small group and one-on-one discipleship and reading and anything else he could get his hands on. He's just so enthusiastic about this new life in Christ. And Larry and Abby and Ryan all have a burden for other students to experience what Larry did. And they go to one of the largest public schools in the state. And so the three of them got together and they said, okay, how can we do this? How can we make sure that more students can come to know Jesus? And so they started a Bible study on campus. And now there's about 20 students coming and Larry's certain that all of them are gonna be there at some point. The resurrection gives you the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. It was 2016 and our area had been ravaged by flooding. Many of you remember this. Devastation everywhere, families lost everything. Healthcare crisis. Well, Angie looked around and said, man, I gotta do something. What can I do? I gotta do something. So she started researching mobile healthcare clinics. And she discovered one called Remote Area Medical and they would travel to different places, especially places that had been gone through devastation or tragedy. And they would invest in free healthcare for anyone that needed it. So Angie called her friends who were in the medical profession, Tom and Chris, and they got together and they said, let's do this. And so they started recruiting doctors. Over a hundred medical professionals volunteered to be part of that first one. And in just a couple days after it started, they had seen over a thousand people for free medical help. Fast forward a couple years and a dentist had been included and recruited to be part of this. Lucy shows up and she's standing in line and she goes in and sits down in the dentist chair. She's excited because she's gonna be able to have her teeth worked on and the dentist says open, starts poking around, you know, like dentists do. And then he sees it, cancer on her tongue. He gets her the help she needs and her life is saved. The resurrection gives you the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world.
Donna wanted to be available for whatever God wanted her to do. She wasn't even sure what that was. She just knew something. The thing she had was her house and her heart. One day she ended up at the DHHR. You talk to her, she still doesn't even know how she got there. 36 foster kids went through her house. Fast forward a couple years and Michelle has a heart to start a ministry called the Foster Closet that gives supplies, donations for those who are in foster care and need supplies. Once again, Donna's available. So Donna says, sure, I'll run it. Ministry opportunities expand. Last week, a couple grandparents come in to the foster closet and they say, we're getting three of our grandkids next week and we have nothing. What do we do? Donna goes to work. Beds and cribs and blankets and diapers and wipes, toys and supplies loaded up in the truck and the truck just limped out of the driveway the resurrection gives you and me the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world message of Christ with Larry and Larry's forever is changed and now Larry wants to share it with everybody he sees multiplication begins Angie Tom and Chris just looked up and they saw devastation all around them brokenness all around them and they said God's given us skills and resources and and those things are his and he can use them how he wants and so they jump in and justice spreads says, God, I'm just available. I don't even know what I have, but everything I have is yours. So I'm just available. 36 kids, foster closet ministry, and the truck limps out of the driveway. The resurrection gives you the, the ability to be part of something huge. It's the reconciliation of all things. It's going on all around us in every moment. There are miracles happening and God is inviting you to be part of it. He's not just inviting you to show up to church on a Sunday or on an Easter or be part of a Bible study. He's inviting you to invest in what you see around you because you are an ambassador for him. And he's equipping you and he's giving you Jesus, not just on resurrection day, but every day, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And he wants to take your job and your family. And he wants to make it whole. And he wants to say, be part of this purpose that I have for the world because the resurrection stamped in the ground our ability to be part of what God is doing in our world. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.